You are now listening to Accidental Intrigue, tales of travel and mystery, written by Kent Babin and narrated by Remington Cooney. Episode Eight. A South African in Kyrgyzstan, Part Two. Late summer, two thousand and twelve. There was a brief moment in which Gary was sure Hans Bergman would turn and run like a cat, terrified of its own tail. It wouldn't have been the first time that self-preservation had overruled rationality in Gary's presence. Assets were, it could be said, scared by design. Fear was what got them through the day. Kept them sharp, and if they weren't scared, no way in hell he would trust them. Arrogance got one killed in this business. If Gary could say anything about Hans, it's that he was anything but arrogant. He suddenly remembered something his father had said about fear. We've all been scared, son. Bloody hell, I've never been more scared fighting the commies in Angola. But here's the thing about fear, yeah? Are you listening to me, boy? Fear is what keeps you alive. You hear me? And don't ever forget that. Gary breathed a sigh of relief when Hans decided to stay put. He needed a midnight sprint across Bishkek, about as much as he needed another bowl of lagman. On the whole, he did feel bad for the German, partly because Hans was way out of his depth, but mainly because the poor guy looked absolutely ridiculous. Bro. What the hell is with that costume, huh? You look like you just walked off the set of Blackadder. Hans stared blankly at him. Never mind that. You know why I'm here, yeah? I-, I think so. You're here to take me back to Tajikistan. Yeah, that's right, bro. A plane is waiting for you at the airport. You'll be in Dushanbe by the morning. Can 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 I at least call my mother first? She's very worried about me. I can't help you there. I have explicit instructions to confiscate your phone and take you directly to the airport. The car is waiting. Let's not make this any more difficult than it needs to be, huh? They both jumped at the trilling of Gary's phone. Gary made no move to answer the call. Are you not going to answer it? Gary looked down at the display to see that it was his boss. An unexpected development. Is Gary here? Yeah, yeah, he's right here. I'm just about to. Right. Okay. I see. Sure. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Bye. He ended the call and looked up at Hans. Right. There's been a change of plans, bro. What? What are you talking about? It turns out I'm not taking you to Tajikistan. You're not? But why? Where are we going? That was my boss. He just told me we're headed to Almaty, Kazakhstan. Your maker will meet you there. My maker? You mean Amir? I couldn't tell you, bro. Way above my pay grade.、Yeah. Gary waited while Hans shifted his eyes from the exit to the clerk and back. It's not worth thinking about an escape route. Even if you could make it out of this hotel, you wouldn't get far. Yeah, I know, but do you have any idea what Amir is going to do to me? I was told you'd say something like that. So then, will you help me? I didn't say that, bro. 
Finding Hans hadn't exactly gone like clockwork, as Gary had so confidently predicted. His father had been right yet again. Thing was, it should have been a piece of cake. Hans was so obviously clueless about how to operate in the shadows. All Gary had to do was wait and watch, and then move in after dark. Instead, he had inexplicably decided to go off-piste. The reason was Bill Hines. Not long after Hans had returned to his hotel from Osh Bazaar, he'd went out again. Gary followed him to a nearby Georgian restaurant where the venerable cold warrior was waiting. He had briefly considered entering the restaurant, but then thought better of it, lest Bill follow through on his threat of a tactical team. After about an hour, Gary had watched Hans leave the restaurant, looking like a ghost. Bill had emerged a few minutes later looking... satiated, for lack of a better word. Whatever they were planning, clearly Hans was the one taking all the risk. In hindsight, it was Gary's arrogance that tripped him up. Thinking he would easily be able to find Hans again, he had decided to follow Bill. It seemed fitting that Bill had ended up at the Jalal Abad tea house, the cock coming home to roost, as it were. Gary found a seat in the indoor section with a view to the garden. One thought that had plagued him throughout the day was what to do about the B&D agents that had accosted him. A couple of snakes, those two. So imagine his surprise when they had turned up at the tea house and took seats at Bill's table. Gary had looked around, without success, for a way to get closer without being detected. He'd give his right arm to hear what the three were discussing. If he had to guess, he assumed it was the fate of Hans Bergman. Frustrated, he had strained his ears and hoped for the best. The only snippet he was able to pick up was mainly because Bill's voice had risen uncharacteristically. Our goddamn German won't last a New York minute tonight. You boys better have a plan if this thing goes south faster than a leopard on skates. The B&D snakes had both nodded in unison. Good, because I swear on everything I hold dear that if I get caught up in this mess, there'll be hell to pay. Do I make myself clear? The snakes had slithered out soon after, leaving Bill to ruminate over his whiskey. By the time Gary had returned to Hans's hotel, the German was nowhere to be found. The clerk had said he'd checked out an hour ago and left in a hurry. Perhaps Hans was not so clueless after all. He'd spent the rest of the afternoon going from hotel to hotel, bribing clerks as necessary, until he found him at one of the nicer hotels in Bishkek. When, after dark, Hans had emerged in some kind of military uniform, Gary had assumed he was going to do whatever Bill had sent him to do and would return sometime later. That, Gary had decided, was the moment he'd formally introduce himself. Gary sat down next to Hans in the back of an inconspicuous white Zhiguli. The driver blasted Kurga's folk music to drown out the sound of the struggling engine. After they had cleared the Bishkek city limits, Gary's curiosity got the best of him. 
You must have some story, bro. To get this kind of treatment, I mean. Hans's eyes remained fixed on the countryside flying by. Who is this Tajik oligarch to you anyway? He seems like a pretty serious bastard. Oh, Scheiße, my mother's going to kill me. What was that, bro? Your mother? What did she have to do with any of this? You, you wouldn't understand. She is the most important person in my life, and I've let her down. Hey, listen, man, you have much more urgent problems than your mother. Yeah, maybe, but you don't know my mother. I'm not sure I want to, to be honest. The comment turned Hans's attention back to the passing countryside. He was silent for some time. He wants to take control of Central Asia. Who are you talking about? Amir, the Tajik oligarch. He is funding the Karaka Pakistani independence and controlling the water supply to destabilize the region. You've helped him do that. A light bulb went off in Gary's mind. So that's what the USB stick was really for. Hans nodded. Tell me, what's your role in this? I thought I was going to Tajikistan to build a hydroelectric dam. Instead, I got caught up in Amir's plot and became, how do you say, collateral damage. And so, what, you leapt into the arms of Colonel Ivanov? Hans turned to look Gary straight in the eye. You know Colonel Ivanov? Yeah, I'm familiar with him, yes. We have a bit of history. He's a right bastard, that one. He's trying to stop Amir. I'm only helping him because he's keeping me safe. Gary laughed. Are you sure, bro? You don't look very safe right now. This is a good question. I do not know the answer. It seems to me like you've been played. A pawn in the game neither of us will ever understand. Perhaps this is true, yeah. Colonel Ivanov and Amir are always talking about chess. I, I just don't understand. Silence reigned while Gary pondered his own role in this whole mess. The thought of driving Hans to the Kazakh border and setting him free had crossed his mind. But that was tantamount to treason in the industrial espionage business. You didn't go rogue, period. Well, unless you were willing to live in fear for the rest of your life. Gary wasn't ready for that. Can I ask you a question? Hans nodded. Who are you more scared of? I, I, I don't know anymore. I just want to get out of here and go back to Stuttgart. As they neared the airport... Headlights flickered in the rearview mirror, followed by incessant honking. Gary turned to see a black sedan pull up alongside the Zaguli. Oh, for Christ's sake, who the hell is that? Gary knew the game was up the second he saw the two B&D snakes climb out of their vehicle and make their way to the Zhiguli. Not 30 seconds earlier, they had run the Zhiguli off the road like a couple of psychos. Both cars had come to rest in an empty field. Bloody Germans. Now Arnie was looking at him through the rear window. Wolfgang was busy tasering the driver. Get out of the car, Gerhard. Gary complied. This didn't seem like the moment to play hero. What the fuck are you guys doing? Have you lost your minds? On the contrary, we feel rather sane. You just ran us off the road. Someone could have died. Arnie looked around. I don't see anyone dead here. Do you, Wolfgang? 
Not a soul. Gary pointed at the driver. Well, what about that driver? How many volts did you give him? Oh, he's a big boy. He'll be fine in an hour or two. Jesus Christ, what the hell do you want anyway? We're here to take Mr. Bergman off your hands. Like hell you are. Arnie took a step forward. Wolfgang? Yeah, Arne? Can we make Leverwurst out of Gerhard? Later, Arne. I'm sure he will cooperate with us. I suggest you listen to what we have to say, Mr. Van Jarsfeld. No, fuck you. You listen to me. Arnie took another step forward. Gary could smell the caramelized onions on the man's breath. Wolfgang put a hand up. We're listening, Mr. Van Jarsfeld. Do tell us how you're going to save the day. Gary bristled at Wolfgang's flippancy. He'd punch the B&D agent in the face if it wasn't for Arnie and the meat hooks he called hands. It's simple, really. You two get back in your car, yeah, and fuck off. I'm afraid that can't happen. And why the hell not? Because Hansbergmann is the property of the German state. Huh? Why don't we ask him what he thinks then? They opened the passenger door and peered in at Hans, who was visibly shaking. Herr Bergmann, you have a choice. Would you prefer to come with us or continue with Mr. van Jarsfeld? I don't want either. I just want to go back to Stuttgart. You're never going back to Stuttgart, Herr Bergmann. Get that out of your sick skull. What the hell is wrong with you people? Next thing Gary knew, he was lying on the ground face up. Arnie's fist had just connected with his skull. It's time to go, Herr Bergmann. Gary watched Arnie bundle Hans up and drag him, without protest, to the other car. Then Wolfgang's ugly mug came into view. What did we tell you, Mr. Van Jarsfeld? This isn't a game for amateurs. Give us a call when you grow out of your diapers. We could use a little munchkin like you. Gary cursed at the sky as the B&D snakes drove off, back towards Bishkek, with Hans Bergman. He looked around. It was pitch black, save for a light from a nearby house and the odd passing car. His driver was wedged into the driver's seat, out cold, his belly resting against the steering wheel. The front corner of the Jaguli had crumpled like cardboard upon impact from the sedan. The headlight was shattered. Gary knew there was only one thing to do. He pulled the driver out of the seat and grunted as he dragged him out of the way. Next, he jumped into the driver's seat and prayed that the car would start. No luck. He pumped the gas pedal a few times and tried again. So close. He fiddled with the choke. Come on, bro, you can do this. He turned the key and held it there. The whirring grew louder. He pumped the gas again, could feel the engine on the cusp of turning over. He prayed the prayer uttered by every Zaguli driver in history. Almighty gods of Toliati, I promise not to give this car a Viking funeral if you only make it start. 
Just as he was about to give up and seriously consider trying a one-man push start, the engine sputtered to life. He jammed his foot into the gas pedal. Finally, a semblance of a roar. By his count, less than two minutes had passed since the B&D snakes had absconded with Hans. There was still time to catch them. He popped the clutch and gunned the engine. Loose dirt sprayed in all directions as he accelerated towards the road. Within a minute, he had the old Jaguli starting to shimmy at a hundred kilometers per hour. There wasn't much traffic to speak of, so he could easily overtake slow-moving vehicles. He spied the sedan about a kilometer from a big intersection. He got good and close and flicked the lights a few times to let the B&D snakes know that he was there. That was about as much as he could do. He didn't like the Zhiguli's chances of running the sedan off the road. Best to just follow and wait for an opportunity. He just hoped he had enough petrol. A couple of hundred kilometers later, light became visible on the eastern horizon. They had turned off the main road and were now heading southwest towards Uzbekistan. The sedan pulled into a petrol station that was just opening for business. A lone attendant was still rubbing the fog from his eyes. Gary pulled into the station, far away from the pumps, and waited. He watched Arnie get out of the sedan and position himself between it and Gary. Further down the road, Gary couldn't help but appreciate the irony of the fact that they had crossed over the Narin River using the Toktogul hydroelectric dam as a bridge. He wondered if Hans had noticed the same thing. About 500 meters from the Uzbek border, the sedan veered off onto a dirt track. Gary followed until they reached a deserted building. He watched as the B&D snakes hauled Hans inside. He waited a few minutes and then started to get the feeling that something wasn't right. He got out of the Zhiguli and approached the building. Gingerly opening the door, he found the single room to be empty, save for a trapdoor in the ground. He lifted up the trapdoor. A musty smell wafted out. A tunnel to Uzbekistan, he figured. What else could it be? He stared down the dark shaft. He either followed Hans or went back to Bishkek with his tail between his legs. His dad, he realized, would know exactly what to do. Right, boy, this is it. Forget about the people sitting in armchairs, yeah? You have a mission to complete. It's like I always say. Shoot first, punch your regrets in the face later. You have been listening to Accidental Intrigue, Tales of Travel and Mystery, written by Kent Babin and narrated by Remington Cooney.